Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome back to the Bill Press Pod to hear today from Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren, a good friend and a great member of Congress. Zoe's been a member of Congress since 1994, representing California's 18th Congressional District, that's Central California, which includes parts of Monterey, San Benito, Santa Clara, and Santa Cruz counties. And she also serves today as chair of the California Congressional Delegation. So Lofgren's probably best known as a tough and outspoken member of the House Judiciary Committee which led to her serving as one of the managers in the 2020 impeachment trial of Donald Trump and in her leadership role on the select committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the Capitol, which of course led to Donald Trump's second impeachment, after which Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren joined with Congresswoman Liz Cheney to pass the bipartisan Presidential Election Reform Act. And in her spare time, the Congresswoman also serves as a ranking member of the House Science, Space, and Technology Committee. Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren, it's so good to reconnect with you. Welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. Thank you so much, Bill. Well, Congresswoman, you've been around Congress for a while. Um, We've seen lots of uh, examples of corruption in Washington. Have you ever seen anything quite like uh, the Bob Menendez indictment? What was your reaction? Well, very troubling. And, um, you know, reading through uh, the evidence that has uh, been recited in the indictment, it's, um, you know, very compelling. It's, it's very disturbing. Right. Uh, and of course, every American con- constitutionally guaranteed a a fair trial. Um, in the meantime, uh, do you think that Bob Menendez should resign his Senate seat? Well, I think he'd be better off if he did. Um, I think he, as uh, Senator Fetterman said, uh, you know, he should uh, step aside and focus on his uh, upcoming trial or negotiations on a plea, if that's it. You're right, under the Constitution. He's entitled to the presumption of innocence in terms of the indictment, but I do think um, it would be better for him and the Senate if he were to step aside and let the governor appoint a replacement uh, in his stead. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I checked today uh, in back in 2017. Um, Leader Schumer was one of the first ones when Al Franken was accused of sexual harassment. Uh, Schumer and 30 Democratic senators called on Franken to resign immediately, yet only, as you pointed out, John Fetterman is the only senator to call on Bob Menendez to resign. Well, it's only been a few days, and I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people, obviously, Al Franken was not charged with a crime, Um, but if you take a look 
at uh, this situation, the recitation of the evidence that uh, the uh, government has uh, compiled, uh, it's very serious. And um, to compare it to the Franken uh, thing, I think is is not correct. I mean, this is a very serious uh, set of criminal uh, charges. Right. There was another uh, conviction recently, uh, Congresswoman, you were quoted uh, 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 on your comments about it, and that was the uh, conviction of um, Peter Navarro, two counts of criminal contempt for defying a subpoena issued by the special January 6th committee, select January 6th committee, of which you were uh, a member. Um, What was your reaction to that? I mean, in a sense, right, it was... Just justice do. Hmm? Well, I I thought it was uh, welcome and really it took quite a, a while. As you know, the committee is no longer <laughs> yeah. in existence. Um, but we uh, went round and round with him. We gave him ever every opportunity to appear. He had no reason not to. He just basically um, blew us off. You can't do that. I mean, a subpoena. You know, we litigated whether we were were within the jurisdiction of the committee to issue these subpoenas. It wasn't, um, you know, some of the recipients challenged our authority and it was thoroughly examined by the courts and uh, the committee won that we were on firm ground to issue these subpoenas. So that wasn't at issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's really nothing, no excuse. And, um you know, there were questions we had for him. Uh, we could not get answers to, and uh, I'm glad that he was convicted. He deserved to be convicted. Uh, he says, of course, he's going to appeal. If he loses that appeal, would he face any prison time? Well, there's a mandatory uh, one month for each um, conviction and up to a year for each conviction. Obviously, the court will make that determination, not the victim's. Uh, but I think uh, it would be appropriate that he, well, he's going to serve at least some time. I mean, at least two months under the statute. But I think, um, you know, a sentence that that alerts others that this is not the proper thing to do would be ho- hoped for. Well, we also thought that Steve Bannon was going to be serving some time. You know, he has been convicted and he's out pending his appeal. So uh, I don't think his appeal's worth much, and I think ultimately he will be uh, sentenced um, and serve time unless, you know, they're all hoping that uh, Trump is reelected and gives them pardons along with the January 6th uh, rioters. Uh, on the legal front, uh, Congressman, and it seems we've got a lot of these lately, uh, Republicans are, have been determined for several years now that they're going to um they're going after hunter biden and hunter biden is their number one target and they're going to end up um uh, you know putting him in prison how so we've seen these two charges the justice department special counsel uh, filed against hunter biden on the purchase of a gun back in 2018 um Again, how serious do you believe those charges are? And do you think he would face that if his name were anything other than last name, any, anything other than Biden? Probably not. I mean, from what I have been able to discern, uh, most individuals who commit this offense in the way he has are uh, not prosecuted. Um, 
and I think he's being prosecuted because he's the president's son. Um, So, you know, all of these uh, right-wingers are saying he's getting a special deal. Well, he is getting a special deal. He's been singled out because he's the president's son for prosecution. Uh, Do you believe it's a political prosecution? Well, you know, I don't know how to define a political prosecution. I do think if you take a look at... um, the state of the law, you'd be hard pressed to find someone else in his situation who has been so prosecuted. Uh, why the prosecutor did this, I don't know. You'd have to ask him. So I read in your um, bio today, Congresswoman, that I think you have been, as a member of Congress, involved in, tell me if I'm wrong, four different presidential impeachments? Actually, correct? no. It's I was a staffer. Ah. Uh, Nixon impeachment and a member for Clinton and the two Trump impeachments. Got it. Uh, Okay. Compared to the four that you've seen, how do you rank the Biden impeachment? Laughable. I mean, there is nothing. Um, You know, the Clinton impeachment was bogus. I mean, they had the Star Report and really, you know, the essence of it was that he lied about sex. And, you know, I kept trying to find how, where's the high crime and misdemeanor that the Constitution requires. And I think the American people reached the judgment, as did the Senate, that lying about sex is not a high crime and misdemeanor. It doesn't threaten the foundations of the republic. Uh, certainly, um, Biden loves his son. And his son uh, is a, is, has been an addict. Uh, I think all the parents in the country know that you don't stop loving your son because they're in trouble, because they're an addict. And obviously that's the president's situation. But that is not a high crime and misdemeanor either. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, the, the two Trump impeachments, um, you were a manager for the first one. And of course, on the Judiciary Committee, when the second was voted, you were part, and you were on the January sixth uh, Select Committee. I mean, uh, you'd have to say for both Trump impeachments, you had tons of evidence before the House voted to impeach, correct? Or even to, even to go into an impeachment inquiry, correct? Right. I was reluctant on the first um, mm-hmm. Trump impeachment. I, you know, I I wasn't prepared to say we should uh, pursue it until I saw evidence. And ultimately, we did have evidence that made me conclude we needed to look at it. But, you know, you don't go into this, you know, kind of evidence-free, which is what the right-wingers are doing. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. What is the evidence, right, that would trigger an impeachment inquiry into not Hunter Biden, into Joe Biden, into President Biden. Have you seen any any of that? Have they presented any of it to members of Congress? No, and they haven't because they don't have any. Um, And they admit that. I mean, uh, Ken Buck went on uh, TV and said, you know, there's no evidence here. There's none. And uh, the chairman of the Foreign Affairs uh, Committee, Mike uh, McCall, said, you know, uh, there's no evidence here. So, you know, even their leadership is saying there's no evidence. That's not why they're doing this. You know, I think they're following um, the pattern that they did on the Benghazi hearings. Their goal then, 
uh, was just to smear uh, a candidate and to say it often enough that some percentage of the public would believe something that wasn't true. That's what they're trying to do here. Um, that doesn't require evidence. That's propaganda, and that's what they're involved in. Uh, plus also a slice of revenge, perhaps, right? Maybe. I don't know. But I think it's more propaganda. That's their that's their goal. And I think in the end, they're going to get a black eye on this. Because America, the American public knows that loving your son is not a high crime or misdemeanor. So given your um, experience with the process, uh, Congresswoman, can they impeach without sufficient evidence. I mean, as long as they have the votes, do they need even need the evidence? Well, they should adhere to what the Constitution requires. And the standard for impeachment in the Constitution is treason, bribery, or high crime and misdemeanor. High crime or misdemeanor has a specific meaning. Um, when I was working on the Nixon impeachment, I didn't write it, but the staff issued an excellent report which I'm going to put on my website again, that really goes through the history of impeachment going back to uh, Britain and what it means. And basically, it's activity that really um, would upset the constitutional order, shake the constitutional order. Mm -hmm. um, that's what you're supposed to do. But what, you know, if you have 218 votes, you can approve something that doesn't comply with the Constitution. Uh, that would be an exercise of raw political power, and I think it would be seen as that uh, by mm -hmm. the public, and certainly by the Senate, who was, uh, even the Republicans are saying, what are these guys doing? Are, are you concerned that uh, by proceeding this way, that uh, the impeachment um, process, right, could be cheapened or made made meaningless and be seen uh, not as the ultimate punishment right for crimes and committing crimes and misdemeanors but just for political payback well certainly that's what they're doing now um, I I will say that I think the cheapening of the process began with the Clinton impeachment as I said I kept looking for a high crime and misdemeanor and all I found was lying about sex. Um, but at least they have they had some evidence of that. Um, this is completely evidence free and is completely uh, a political hit job, and it's not what the Constitution suggests that the Congress should do. And meanwhile, of course, Congresswoman, we have multiple charges against a former president of the United States, and all of that looming, as well as the 2024 uh, Republican primary. Um, lots of questions there. Uh, we'll take a quick break here if we can, Congressman, on the bill press spot and then come back. And I want to get your thoughts on um, the challenges Donald Trump faces uh, in the legal process. And today's podcast with Congressman Zolafkin brought to you by the Laborers International Union of North America, or LIUNA. The good men and women of LIUNA, longtime supporters of the Bill Press Pod, for which we are very grateful. And they are just the backbone of American labor. Very involved in uh, construction projects, of course, uh, rebuilding America, thanks to the Infrastructure Act, and also involved in the energy area building still old-fashioned pipelines, but have, they've expanded very largely into the new energy area 
building wind turbines and solar panels under the leadership of Layuna's new president, Brent Booker. So we salute the over half a million members of the Labor's Union, thank them for their good work rebuilding America, and thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back on today's podcast. Uh, very honored to have with us uh, coming from California's, representing California's 18th Congressional District ever since 1994. A uh, good friend, a great member of Congress, Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren. Congresswoman, welcome back. So we know uh, President, former President Donald Trump facing 91 criminal charges from four different jurisdictions. So far in his career, uh, in his career, he's been sued many times. He has always escaped, investigated many times. He's always escaped, impeached twice. Uh, but escaped conviction. What are his chances of escaping 91 charges this time, Congresswoman? Well, obviously, I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, like everyone else, uh, all I know about some of these charges is what I read in, in the press. I mean, the documents case looks pretty serious. Um, but, you know, I was on the January 6th committee, and clearly he was at the center of a wide-ranging, multifaceted, illegal effort to overturn the election. And that is the center of uh, two of these uh, prosecutions, the one in Georgia under the Georgia state law, mm -hmm. as well as the uh, federal case in the District of Columbia. He did it. Um, I think there's ample evidence to convict, but obviously... Um, you know, the jury needs to find that out. It's not just my view. When uh, you we read, at least when I read, um, Jack Smith's um, indictment against Donald Trump in the Jan for the January 6th charges, the attack on the Capitol, uh, Congressman, it looked like he was quoting almost word for word the final report of the January 6th committee. It was really the, the blueprint that we had. Um, you know, 
we worked very hard. Um, we got enough evidence to conclude the president had committed crimes and we referred those over to the Department of Justice. I hadn't fully appreciated while the committee was working that the Department of Justice wasn't doing the same thing. Uh, I think it's pretty clear they were focusing only on the actual rioters themselves, not mm-hmm. the schemers and leaders of the plot. And I think when the committee um, was able to outline the evidence that we had, it looks like it spurred them to action. I just wish that um, the attorney general had appointed the special prosecutor earlier than he did. But once the special prosecutor was appointed, I think he's moved uh, you know, pretty quickly for as these things go. Do you think those charges would have been filed? Again, we're talking about not against the rioters, but against the former president, uh, without the work of the January 6th committee? Well, I'm, I, I'm wondering whether they would have. It doesn't look like they were doing much until we uh, unveiled our evidence. I don't know that for a fact, but that's what it looks like to me. Right. Uh, so if he is convicted of any of these charges, uh, can Donald Trump still run as a candidate for the Republican nomination? Could he be nominated? Or I guess the next question, could he serve as president if he's a convicted felon? Well, that's an interesting uh, question. I mean, if he is sentenced to prison, um, which if you take a look at the sentences, for example, in the documents case, uh, take a look at what people did similar or less. I mean, substantial prison time as usually uh, the result. Um, who knows what the court will do there? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of ironic. In most states, if you're a felon, you can't vote. But if you're a felon, you could run. <laughs> uh, <because laughs> the Constitution right. only says, you know, natural born citizen and over 35. Uh, and and ev- even about president, right? I mean, I guess constitutionally, there's nothing to say he could not serve. Well, the only thing is uh, the 14th Amendment, which some have been discussing. Yes. But, you know, I think if you take a look at the Constitution and what he did, he probably is ineligible. But here's the problem with the 14th Amendment. We never outlined a procedure for reaching that conclusion. And I think it's going to be very difficult um, to pursue that because there's no uh, process that's outlined. Now, when it came to um, the the Confederacy, I mean, there were people who uh, had overtly been part of the Confederacy and in the Confederate Army. That was a much easier case to make. Uh, but is it a conviction? Is it a vote of the House? I don't think it's a vote of the House because uh, that mm-hmm. would subsume the impeachment um, uh, clause. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have, in a way, I wish we had addressed this long ago. What is the process for reaching that conclusion? But uh, we didn't. And I don't think that it's going to be easy or even possible to apply that. Well, in other words, if I hear you correctly, uh, and certainly I read it that way, if you read the actual language of the 14th Amendment, I think you have to conclude that Donald Trump, were he convicted, would not be eligible. But who makes that determination? I guess all the way to the Supreme Court? 
We don't know, right? We don't know. And as I say, I think if you take a look at what he's done and what the uh, Constitution provides, you know, he's not eligible. But that doesn't mean that he uh, won't be able to uh, to serve because we haven't uh, outlined who makes that decision. I mean, we didn't say in uh, in through statute that a court conviction answers that. There's no de- definition for the process of reaching the conclusion, and I think that's a, a glaring error. So, Congresswoman, the Congress, uh, the House comes back into session um, on Tuesday um, with five days left before the government runs out of money and would have to shut down unless Congress is able to resolve this little problem once again. Uh, What do you think is going to happen? Do you believe that this will work itself out or do you believe that a government shutdown is inevitable? I don't know the answer. Um, It's not inevitable. I mean, certainly there are procedures that would allow, if the uh, enough Republicans agreed, that would allow us to uh, take a vote to adopt a temporary spending measure uh, that would prevent a shutdown. The question is, are there enough Republicans to do that? It's not at all clear that there are. Um, so, you know, it's it's avoidable, but that doesn't mean it will be avoided. You know, these these guys are um, in complete disarray. I mean, last week they couldn't get the vote on the rules, so they couldn't take up the appropriations bill. They recessed instead of um, mm-hmm. adjourning. And I think it's because they couldn't get the votes to adjourn. Uh, Chip Roy. <laughs> Uh, was saying he was going to uh, call for a vote. I don't know that they had the votes to adjourn, so they recessed. I mean, that is pathetic. Yeah, they didn't even didn't even have enough votes to uh, to adjourn. Um, there is, of course, you know, a lot of theories about how this may play out. One theory, of course, is that Kevin McCarthy will realize he'll never get enough Republican votes uh, to keep the government alive. That he'll turn to the Democrats, basically. Uh, to save his butt and and avoid a shutdown. Are Democrats ready to bail out Kevin McCarthy? We are ready to fund the government. Um, we've made that clear throughout. Uh, we're not going to engage in these massive right-wing cuts that they're insisting on. We did an agreement, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. McCarthy and the president, and we voted for it overwhelmingly in the House and the Senate. That's the deal. And we will vote for that deal. Uh, and hopefully that will keep uh, th- keep things going and not get into that chaos uh, again. Well, before we let you go, uh, Congresswoman, I have to ask you one uh, local question. Um, uh, we've been in California politics together for a long time. Um, very unusual for a Senate seat to be open in California. Uh, but Senator Dianne Fines. Feinstein's seat is open. She's not going to run for re-election. Three outstanding candidates, I believe, so far, Adam Schiff and Barbara Lee and Katie Porter. Um, which one has your support? Well, as you know, Bill, I am the elected chair of the California Democratic Delegation. Right. Ordinarily, I, you know, when there's a, a contest between my members, I don't take a public stand, and that's kind of where I am now. Um, they're all good people. Each one of them could be a very able senator, and I'll just leave it at that. 
Okay. Uh, and do you believe Senator Feinstein should step down or um, finish her time in the Senate without talking about the difficulties she's having? Um, there's certainly some questions about her ability to do the job today. Do you think she should step down? No, I hope she can hang on. And here's why. I mean, the Republicans have made it clear that they will not allow another Democrat to be uh, placed on the Judiciary Committee. So Mm -hmm. should she resign, uh, we will not have any more judicial uh, nominations that are confirmed. That will be the end of all the judicial confirmations. And I think that would be a shame. Uh, And you yourself are running for another term. Have you made that announcement? Yes, I have. I am running for re-election and uh, looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, now is not the time to wimp out. (laughs) Well, we're glad to hear that. Uh, We need you right where you are, Congresswoman Zolofka. Thank you so much for your great work for the people of California, for the people of this nation. And uh, thank you for joining us again today on the Bill Press Pod. Thank you, Bill. Take care. And that's it for today's podcast with Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren. Thank you so much for being with us. And we invite you to come back on Friday for what's uh, certain to be a very lively reporter's roundtable, given uh, what's coming up this week. Uh, Congress, at least House Republicans, trying to avoid shutting down the government, or maybe they want to shut down the government. Some of them really do. We'll also be looking at the second presidential debate in the Republican primary coming from Simi Valley, Valley, California on Wednesday evening and a possible end to the Hollywood writers strike and maybe even some progress in settling the UAW strike. All of that subjects for Friday's roundtable. So again, have a great week. Come back and see us on Friday. Reporters roundtable coming up the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.